FYI, for copyright purposes, the songs discussed in this podcast have been removed. Well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Welcome everyone. Uh, so good to be here today. And my guest is Melissa Pye. And look, I was speaking to Melissa recently about startups and business. And absolutely, I was confused about this. What's the difference between a startup and business? We got talking. So I thought, instead of me keeping this a secret and just her giving me the information, I would bring her into the studio and poke her for a bit more information. So welcome, Melissa. Hey, thanks, Karen. Don't poke too hard, though. (laughs) Uh, Look, I want all your secrets. This is where you get to shine and tell us all your secrets. So it's great to have you here. Tell us more about you. Absolutely. So I've been working in... I'm going to call it the startup space, uh, for about uh, eight years. So actually, it's a bit longer than that. I had my first – it was actually called a business back then because it was about 20 years ago, but back then it would have – now it would have actually been called a startup. So, so I'm going to get to – it's a bit confusing. <laughs> it and, is confusing. And we will get to that. Especially for me, I'm 65. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was the first um, automotive website for women in Australia, for women to be able to find out information about buying and owning and selling a car. So – Back then I called it a business. If I'd launched it today, it would have been called a startup. Uh, since then, I've launched a, a couple of other um, businesses and one of them was a business and not a startup. <laughs> this is getting confusing, I know. <laughs> I, just the puzzled look on my face, can you see that? <laughs> I'm not making it easy, but, but I will provide clarity soon around that. Uh, and then um, the last uh, six years I've been working actually in the startup space, um, supporting startups to grow and scale their businesses through a couple of roles. One of them was a head of storytelling for Telstra's um, Startup Accelerator and also for University of New South Wales, their 10X Accelerator program. So that is working with startups. (laughs) (laughs) It's a funny word, startups, you know. But anyway, so what is a startup? Great question, Karen. <laughs> well, that's I, a weird I didn't know what it was, as, as I said, when I first launched a business. So there is a bit of a difference between what we call a business and a startup. And a startup is, it's essentially, well, it's still a business, but it's something kind of pretty early days, but something that's got the capacity to scale. And that means essentially it's going to be a tech-enabled business. So there'll be technology um, behind it. So... Um, if you were making jams, for example, just that would be a business because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to scale that through technology. However, if you had a platform um, where lots of different people could sell their different jams, many people working in their homes, uh, they don't have the capacity to be able to promote their jam themselves. So somebody has a platform called, you know, Jams Are Us. That would actually be a startup because they are using tech to enable other jam makers to sell their product. Ah, I just okay. made that example up. I hope it makes sense. Oh, well, jams are us. That could be a new business for anyone out there. You want a business, jams for us. The space is yours. Possibly not. You'd have to go to my friend Google and find that out. Absolutely. And then so the startup. It's almost like a phase where you're trying to find what we call product market fit. So your product or your idea that you've got, uh, there is actually a market for it that people want to buy it. So it's it's a stage where you're actually exploring the opportunity of the business. And then eventually it's actually called a scale-up because um, you've actually validated what you're doing. Uh, you've proved that potentially to investors uh, and they throw some money at you to kind of put fuel on the fire to help that business go really, really rapidly. So, yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because like my generation of, um, you know, the baby boomers basically went into business because 
there wasn't computers. There wasn't technology. I mean, it was mm, the last role I started 21 years ago was the first role someone's actually given me a computer to work with mm, I- and to take home. And it's my laptop and, I, and a BlackBerry, you know, because I was on the road. Oh, my goodness, a BlackBerry. A, a BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah, a bit like, you know, early days for me it was the BlackBerry nip. But anyway, <laughs> but a, a BlackBerry. And um, I am dating when I say BlackBerry nip. <laughs> <laughs> At least you haven't said typewriter yet, so. <laughs> oh, but I learned to type on an electric typewriter, believe me, and I'm fast. Um, but, um, yeah, so... It's it's really interesting how that space has changed. And yet I think, and part of the reason I wanted to bring you in here is because a lot of baby boomers are actually getting into business and startups. Would you, like, they're having a go, throwing their jobs out and, you know, sort of exploring this world, which is why I really wanted you to come and explain to us what this world is all about. Fantastic. And you're absolutely right. We are seeing more people, I'm going to call them, I don't know, 40 plus, 50 plus that are starting to enter into this space. Uh, it's got the perception of, of being in startups. It's The perception is a bloke um, in a garage with a hoodie on. Uh, and um, there's a beautiful expression that, say, that says, um, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, and when there is the perception that, You've just got to be a young bloke that does this stuff or has a startup. Uh, it kind of can potentially deter other people from getting involved. So what we are seeing now is one huge thing is that we have women in startups um, as well. They are still not equally um, represented by number of startups and by how much money gets invested in them, but that is actually growing. And I think the next trend is going to be with people that are fifty plus doing their startups. So. They have a world of experience and, and where we see great success in the accelerators that, that I run is people that do have some life experience or some, what we call domain expertise mm. um, and they see a problem. So, we've, for example, we've had lawyers that have been working for 10 and 15 years that have identified a problem within their field and have figured out that it's like, well, someone's got to fix this, it may as well be me. So they leave their, their role as being a lawyer and, and um, start their startup and try and fix that problem at scale. It's a, it's really a, <clears throat> a fascinating um, a fascinating insight into into the possibilities today. And you look at companies like Atlassian. Am I correct in that name? Like how, like as a startup, those guys uh, have um, created a billion dollar empire, and and also billions and billions and billions. <laughs> I only want one of those billions, really. But then Afterpay, yeah. oh, my God, they met through the father in the street and the father joined them together after he met his neighbour with the garbage bins and, I, and you know, this idea was born of Afterpay. And, and I think, wow, anything really is possible. Absolutely. And it's, it's really interesting where people – start from with their idea and a great example is Canva. So Canva, oh. yeah, Melanie Cameron and Carl, they started their business. They recognised a problem. When we talk about in the startup space, find a problem that's worth solving. So what's the problem and who's having the problem? And they found the problem was with, um, you know, high school books when you leave year 12 books, yep. Yep. you get people's photos and there's a little bio and all bits and pieces that all gets collated together. That was a really expensive, uh, difficult um time-consuming thing to do. So they developed um, some some software or, or were able to digitise um, that opportunity. And that's how they actually started was with high school books. And I can't remember what it's called, but it definitely wasn't called Canva. Uh, it, that's now been valued this year at $55 billion, um, incredibly successful, um, and, and they're in their 30s. Um, yeah, and she was, she was a young, young woman because – Canva's been around for a few years now. Yeah, I think it was 2013 that they launched. Yeah, because um, I've used Canva mm. um, and it's such an easy platform to use. Yeah. You've just got to persevere those first few times to get the idea of how it all works. And, 
you know, Bob's your uncle. You yep. know, you've got a product that you can actually put out um, for your marketing or whatever you want to do. It's yep. amazing. Yeah, and, and that's kind of a couple more things on Canva. It's a really good example of finding a problem and there was lots of people that wanted that problem solved. Um, and what they did was what we call be able to iterate or pivot. So once you start something, you start learning more. And when, when you learn more, you find other opportunities. So it's actually grown to, you know, a platform where you can, um, you know, create your digital assets to use in social media. So your stills, um, but, but now they're going into video as well. So, um, in all sorts of areas. So the second important thing is all about timing because if they developed that product 30 years ago, um, it would have gone nowhere because there wasn't social media where there's been this massive appetite for their product offering. So um, a couple of really good learnings about what Canva did as well. So are companies like Fiverr and um, Upworks, are they the same? Are they considered were they startups is that the same sort of thing 100 percent, yeah considered startups and and they're they're a tech kind of based business so what they're able to do is kind of um so the problem that they were solving is that people wanted jobs done and done quickly on one side of the marketplace and on the other side of the marketplace there were people with wonderful skills that couldn't connect and find the customer to use their skills so their platform enables people to get their quick logo done, for example, and somebody who's a designer to come together super easily. And I know these platforms are amazing. And for my logos, I use one of these platforms too. But And one particular person that now I've been doing things with for four or five years. 100%. I yep. Just go back to her. Yep. So it doesn't even have to be transactional. It can be relationship as well. Yeah. So we started talking the other week about and this is the question, <laughs> what do you do when you have a business idea? Over to you, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Um, there are so many people that have business ideas and, and me personally, I have 20 ideas a day. It's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you know, there's a problem, I could solve it, this is how I'd solve it, this is what I call it and this is how I'd brand it and stuff like that. So many people have business ideas. Um, the first thing to do is to get it out of your head and scratch it on a piece of paper. Because when it sits in your head, guess what? It goes nowhere. <laughs> it just spins around and does, does your head in. So get it onto a piece of paper and, and scratch that. Just one piece of paper. Don't go and write a 50-page business plan like I did once. A, no one reads it. By the time it's finished, um, somebody's already launched in the marketplace and, and it's highly successful. So um, don't do that. Um, and you're kicking yourself. <laughs> There's, um, there's something that you can download. It's called a Lean Canvas, and it's essentially a business plan on a page. And it's what we use in startups, but it's just effective if, if you're just thinking about your jam business, for example. And it just outlines the key areas. There's nine areas on it. The key areas um, that you need to kind of solve or understand to be able to have a business. And it focuses things on... Focuses things on who your customer actually is, what your competitors are doing, um, how you're going to make money, it, just those essential pieces. So download Lean Canvas, scratch out these uh, bits on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And then what you need to do is to um, understand whether somebody actually wants this. And that's what we call customer validation. So validate mm. whether there is a market for your opportunity. So what most people do when they have an idea, they go to their family and friends and go, oh, my God, you know, I've got this, this fantastic idea. What do you think? And being beautiful family and friends, they all say, it's great. You should go for it. <laughs> or on the flip side, they just go, you're crazy. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. It's almost like polarised. Oh, you couldn't possibly do that. So it depends who your friends and family are. So most people are fairly positive, so you think that's great. So you might just start going, oh my gosh, I better start a company, I better get a website, better get a logo and do all of those things without actually validating that there is a market for this opportunity. So what you need to find, there are enough customers to be able to, that want to pay for what you're offering and on your cost side is that you ensure that you're going to be making enough money to be able to have a sustainable business. So the first thing you do is go and talk to your customers. So we think of it in terms of running experiments 
And if you remember back at school, you ran an experiment. And experiments, <laughs> you don't remember back at school. Oh, I do remember that? back at school science experiments and, you know, Bunsen burners. Yeah, go on. That's exactly right. So when you run an experiment, it's not about passing or failing. It's about learning. Mm. And that's what we like to do in the startup space. So if you approach things um, through the lens of being an experiment, then you um, can think about things as a learning experience. So we'll have run an experiment or have a hypothesis, and your hypothesis might be that, um, for example, um, kids want to – I'll go back to my jam example, even though I'm making it up on the go. Um, so you might have a hypothesis that um, people want to sell their jams directly to customers, for example. So you would approach jam makers, manufacturers, people that – you know, their cottage industries and find out whether that's actually something that they want to do Mm -hmm. because some may not want to do that. They just want to do their local markets and their local fates. Mm -hmm. So the more you speak to, the more you'll understand whether there is a market for your jam platform Mm -hmm. or not. But also when you speak to people as well, you get other little gems of gold that you might find out. Um, So you might be asking these questions around whether they want, you know, national distribution for their product or not. But then you might find out other things that, well, I've always thought about this, but I'm actually making chutneys on the side as well, or I'm actually doing this on the side. So that might actually, you might, for example, not call your business jams or us. It might be, you know, home specialties are us, for example. So there's just little nuggets of gold by speaking with people. So just validate your concepts um, with your customers. So that's one side of the marketplace is the jam um, mm. manufacturers or, or makers or what do you call them? Jam producers? Anyway, jam yeah. makers. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's Jamaholics. <laughs> so that's one side you need to validate. Then the other side is whether people are actually going to buy jam from this platform. Mm-hmm. So the customers on the platform. So you need to interview people, whether they're prepared to spend more money buying their jams from, you know, people that are making them, you know, in regional areas or whatever. And then you just validate both sides of the marketplace. And if there's a, a ton of people on this side that would like specialty jams and chutneys made from regional and supporting regional Australia, and people in regional Australia, for example, that are making it and enough of these people that actually are struggling with marketing and distribution, then you can start thinking about maybe do you bring this idea to life or not. Wow, you've um, unpacked a lot already today. <laughs> it's um, like, yeah, uh, and, you know, you just got me thinking about jams and what's a good name, but I love I love naming things. <laughs> like <laughs> Anyway... Um, Melissa, today, uh, as part of the program, you chose a couple of your favourite songs, Walking on a Dream by Empire of the Sun. Why this song? <laughs> I think it's really appropriate for um, for what you're doing in life. I find it a really happy song and a really elevating song. So um, running a startup can be difficult. Life in general can be difficult. Uh, so it's just a really happy song and walking on a dream. So imagine you've got an idea and you've got a, a dream oh. to have a particular business. Um, walking on a dream, just just make your dreams happen. I love that. It's very inspiring, walking on a dream. I've been walking on mine for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Walking on a Dream by Empire of the Sun. You are listening to Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. My guest in the studio today is Melissa Pye, and we're talking about startups and we're talking about business and what do you do if you have an idea for a business and is it a startup is it a business we're trying to clarify what you're actually doing and how you go about it so Melissa we were just talking about um what do you do and you've given some ideas of of of, um what you actually do when you have an idea and going out there and testing it doing a little experiment not with the Bunsen burner, but, you know, experimenting, is this going to work? Um, what else do we need to do? So is, is it going to work? Um, I guess is it 
first thing to think about is what problem that you're solving mm-hmm. and who you're solving it for. And is there a big opportunity around that? I'm just going to rewind a little bit on that. We yep. talk about businesses and startups. Yep. Don't worry too much about defining that because you need to work out actually what you want to do because mm-hmm. it comes down to you. Mm-hmm. So there's not much point thinking about, oh, I need this and I need to scale it and do all of this stuff and have a, have a startup if that's not what you actually want to do either. Um, so just come back to what you want to do, mm. come back to the change that you'd like to see in the world and something that you'd like to, that you've that, that you're connected enough to it to have the persistence to be able to follow through with it. Because business is difficult. Running your own business is, is really hard. So whether it's a business or whether it's a startup, it doesn't really matter. It, it is hard. So you need to be able to be committed to it to, um, to, to take it into fruition and to turn it into a sustainable business as well. I think, you know, when you've been in a paid job, career, you know, job's a terrible word, isn't it? It's a, yeah, yeah, it's just a, It feels transactional, doesn't it? It feels like you're just yeah. going off there every day and to get paid, you know, this is a job. No, let's So let's just say when you've been in a paid career or a paid role, um, it's very different to when you actually get out into the real world and start to set up your own business. And how is that going to bring you an income? Um, and then eventually perhaps have to support other people as well. That, that's exactly right. So we talked about a one-page business plan, the Lean Canvas. Mm-hmm. So that's the piece of paper that you can start figuring these things out as well. And at what point in time do you actually start paying yourself? So when you turn up to your paid career job thing, um, you know, week one, week two, or week, you know, week four, some money lands in your bank account. You've only been there for a month and money lands in your bank account. When you're starting your own business, it could be, it probably won't be a month. Um, it'll probably be a bit longer than that. And there are people that have worked for two years and not mm. taking any money in as well. So you need to figure out um, how you can support yourself during that period as well. And like companies like Atlassian, we see they're making billions and billions and billions, but they possibly went through quite a period of time of just turning up every day and figuring it out. Yep, pretty much. And you do hear the classic um, case of, of people working out of their parents' garage. And, and a lot of startups do start up in a garage because they they convert the space, they set up their laptops, they set up a lounge that they can sleep in, set up a microwave <laughs> to put the noodles in, and away they go because... Um, you're not earning anything, so you've got to just live as cheaply as possible. And how much money do you need to get going? (laughs) Depends on what you're doing um, (laughs) uh, as well. That word depends. (laughs) You will hear the word all the time, depends. Depends. It depends. You know what depends are. No, I'm not even going to go there, but a lot of people that are ageing know what depends are. Sorry. Is that the wrong? <laughs> I can't help myself. In startup space, we use the word depends. So maybe we need to change it to be more inclusive. I'm not quite sure. But anyway, um, so it, now I've even forgot the question. Oh, how much money? How much, <laughs> how much money? This is serious, folks. We are talking. I just get sidetracked. <laughs> so how much money do you need? Um, there we go. It uh, depends. How long is a piece, <laughs> piece of string? That's it. That's exactly right. Uh, so you will need to. You're probably going to need to have a website. Um, so you're going to need to register a domain name. I don't know, ten bucks a year, whatever. You can get them pretty cheaply these days. You'll need to host it. That might be hundred bucks a year, for example. Uh, you can jump on. There's plenty of websites that you can start. Mm. So jump onto Wix or Squarespace or mm-hmm. Weebly or WordPress or Squarespace is, is a really easy one, actually. Um, My latest ones on Squarespace. So so it's super easy. So for 25 bucks a month probably includes hosting and stuff on Mm. on one of those platforms. So you'll need at least, if you can have a website, at least $25 um, a month. Um, With things like Squarespace, so wherever you can save money, save money to start with. So rather than outsourcing somebody at $150 an hour to do your website for you, unless you've got lots of cash, but... I get back to my Lean Canvas example. So we use the word lean a lot in startups, and that just means doing as much as you can for as very very little money as mm-hmm. you can. So that's the mindset that we have in the startup space mm. because generally you don't actually have much money. Mm. Um, 
if you have been working for a, a while and you've, you've, you know, you've paid off your mortgage and got a pot of money sitting there that you can play with, you might be in a position to be able to pay for people. But I strongly encourage you to, to think as leanly as possible with what you do, especially when you're still trying to validate your idea because it would be really easy to throw away 50, 20 grand and actually have nothing to show for it because what you've worked out is nobody's really interested in buying your jam online. Mm. Um, so, um, so I'd highly encourage you to, to look at things through that lens, uh, that, that lens of being lean. Yeah. So back to the question about how much money do you need? Yeah. <laughs> and how long is a piece of string? Um, eventually down the track, you'll probably set up, uh, you might set up a partnership or a sole trader, or if you set up a, a company, for example, it'll cost you six, 700 bucks to set up the company. And then you could have up to $2,000 a year in um, accounting fees. There'll be some legal fees with ASIC, you know, four, 500 bucks a year or something like that. So um, I think any venture that you're going into, you'd like to start with, I don't know, have 10, 15, 20 grand kind of in the kitty to get going. Yeah. Um, for that, I mean, to register a trademark is about six or 700 bucks to register a trademark. Um, so jams are us or whatever, jams and don't get yourself in a pickle by jams from us, something like that. <laughs> um, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, so you, you definitely do need, do need some money. I mean, I set up a trademark for ageing fearlessly and, you know, setting up a trademark, there's like 20, about 45 different classes. Once you start looking at the trademark, you know, you're only setting it up under some because each one is different. So, I mean, I've learnt a lot and I've gone in some cases nowhere and it's a long learning curve um, setting yourself up. 100%. And, and, the thing is with, you know how people say, oh, it's nothing personal, it's just business. You know that line that people have thrown around from years, for years? Having your own business or startup business mm-hmm. um, is the most personal thing that you can do and is a really personal journey um, because you learn about how far you can stretch yourself. You find out where your boundaries are. And for someone like me and for many people that I work with, your boundaries are a lot further than what you actually thought they were. Um, so you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about business. You learn about you know how to register a trademark, how to run a radio program, mm. um, how to run you know beautiful community events like Story Room. Like you, you, you know, if somebody, Karen, for example, somebody said to you 10 years ago, you would come up with this beautiful concept where you bring a community together on a really authentic level, um, you'd no, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> do that. I'm out on the road and I'm selling stuff and I'm yeah. – so it, you just find out that you have so much more in you than what you ever thought that you possibly could have. I think personal growth um, – and I'm going to use the le- term I use a lot, lifelong learning – it's all just about learning and personal growth. And in a lot of cases, and I, I take myself for example, um, I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't gone down this track. And it's not about the dollars you make because I'm not making dollars really in terms of, you know, God, I'd love to be an Atlassian. <laughs> um, but, um, dream on. Um, um, Walking on a dream. What is it? Dreamer. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's about your own personal success and what you see as success. And other people look at your success. They see your success differently. Sometimes you might look at yourself and think, well, I haven't achieved what I really wanted. But what's your measure of success? I think that's important and to me a lot of the measure is growth and personal growth and that I've stepped out of my comfort zone, which when you do something like this, you have to step out. A hundred percent and it's, you know, where there's, I like this expression, where there's pain, there's gain, where there's pain, there's there's growth and having your own business um, is, is a it's a it's a difficult road to take because there are setbacks all along the way, um, which is which is kind of you know a bit, bit painful. Um, sometimes your ego can be bruised, although ego should be out of the equation when it comes to a business. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's difficult. But but you do learn from those um, painful experiences. That that's where the growth actually happens. 
I think, you know, you just said about setbacks and, you know, it might be two steps forward, one step back all the time. And you're ever, it's like a waltz, you know, you're doing this little dance all the time. But I think one thing you have to realise is you have to enjoy the dance. And if you're not enjoying the dance, don't do it. I agree. But you need to be brave to take the first step in that waltz and and, um, you do need to be brave and, and... stepping outside your comfort zone, um, yeah, you do need to be brave because um, you'll bring yourself down. Other people will bring yourself bring you down as well and, and that's a, a not a fun journey um, to be on but it's about how quickly you can pick yourself up, A, and B, by surrounding yourself with people that are happy to pick you up as well and getting rid of the people that don't pick you up, that choose to pull you down. I want to go to another song, but I've just written down a question for after this song, and you just alluded to it now. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Under Pressure, David Mm. Bowie and Queen, and both of them together. Uh, This is a wonderful song. Why? I even know the answer to this. You don't have to tell me. Go on. Why have I chosen this one? They're just floating beautifully with what we were talking about, pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and, and you know, being uncomfortable and, and being, you know, under pressure. Um, so a couple of reasons for this song. It's one of my favourite songs in the whole wide world. Um, when you are in your own business, you could probably feel more pressure than what you'd ever feel by being employed with some someone. And you do feel pressure being employed, but you feel incredible pressure when you're running your own business because actually you don't know how to put food on the table in the next month or how to pay somebody else's salary. It's not even, not even your own salary, but the staff that you love and adore, how the hell are you going to pay their salary mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks? And the other reason why I love it is in the um, startup space, collaboration is huge and collaboration is the key to everything in the world. So to, you can be competitive or you can be collaborative. Choose to be collaborative because you can make magic happen. And that's what David Bowie and Queen did in this song. They made magic happen. It's amazing, an amazing song, this one, Under Pressure. Welcome back to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen. Please go to Facebook and like the page Aging Fearlessly. Uh, welcome back to the studio. I have Melissa Pye in the studio today, and we are talking about startups and business, and we're going through all the things you need to do if you have an idea, like you want to make jams and market them to the world, which is Melissa's little example for today. <laughs> um, but Melissa, I wanted to talk about the naysayers. Because you're always going to get people out there that go, why are you doing this? One hundred percent. You'll get the people that kind of um, support you just because they love you, um, and that support is great, but not always good in terms of. Um, sometimes you're on the wrong track, and they'll tell you you're still great, which is not really good. <laughs> so you continue on that wrong track. Uh, but then you do get um, – in Australia, it's quite different in startups. We do have the tall poppy syndrome uh, where in Australia people drag you down. Very different in other parts of the world and what I've experienced in the US is that uh, a rising tide lifts all ships and I think that's a beautiful expression as well and I'd love to see more of that kind of into the Australian culture. It's just not quite there mm-hmm. um, there yet. So there are a lot of naysayers and as soon as you start doing well, someone will drag you down or, or pull you down and – it's really easy these days for people to be able to do that. Randos and strangers will do it in Facebook groups. They'll tear people down and stuff. So I think just accept that they are going to be there. But the most important people to listen to are really your customers, mm-hmm. the customers that you're um, selling your product and service to and also the people who you work with. They're the most important people to, to listen to. So you are going to get that negative stuff. If the negative stuff is, however, coming from your customers – Listen to them. Uh, listen to what they're saying. How can you make it more positive? What What are they looking for? Because if it's negative for them, they're not going to um, buy your products and services. Yeah, I think you just said the most important thing there. If there are negatives coming, you have to examine the negatives and what are they and how can I pivot? Yeah, exactly. And and 
earlier up we we're talking about doing customer um, interviews or customer discovery and and a stumbling block that people often have is that they don't listen to the the negative stuff that people are saying oh I wouldn't use it because of whatever and often in early days people will just say oh well they weren't going to use it anyway so I, I didn't continue talking to them any further it's just as important to listen to the positive as mm. the negative about your product because there are a lot of learnings in that so if somebody says I would never buy my jam from there well why wouldn't you buy your jam from an online website or because I'm I can't trust the quality how do I know if, if it's you know the quality is there or, or if it's a safe product and what you'll find if lots of people have got concerns about not buying a jam from a website because they're unsure about the quality of the product maybe you need to put that into your communication and your communication is all of our jam you know providers on our website are quality assured this this and this so within that there was an actual mm. learning yeah I think you know the learning is and this is a this is a long-term learning and all the learning does is make your product better or your learning can highlight to you that maybe this isn't the right product. Yeah, right. It helps you with your product that you're producing but also um, your messaging, so your visual messaging, the language that you use, your tone of voice that you use as well. It can all help with that as well. Um. What about setting goals? Yes. Well, <laughs> I do a vision board every year. There's an overall goal for my, where I want to be and I examine it at the end of the year. And a lot of people talk about setting goals. How important are goals? A million percent important. I don't even know if that exists as an expression. They are super important because how, how do you, how can you measure your own success if you don't have a goal or a metric? Mm -hmm. So how do you know? So with your vision board, um, you may have wanted to do X amount of podcasts this year or you may have wanted to travel these particular places. At the end of the year, you'll be able to look back and be able to measure your success based on what you set up to actually do. So... Uh, definitely you need to have metrics and, and it's one of the most important things that we do when we bring our startups into our accelerator. Before we start our accelerator program, we set up metrics of what they want to achieve in the 10-week accelerator program. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 weeks? What do you want to achieve? And having metrics associated with it. So rather than um, something like, oh, being the best whatever you know possible, well, what does that actually mean? Bring that down into a metric. And it might be being um, revenue increased by 100%. It might be number of customers has doubled to 200 customers. So having a metric associated with it, mm. um, using that the SMART goals, for example. And SMART goals, I'm going to drill you on these. What are your SMART goals? <laughs> Don't drill me on that one because I can't remember them I know. the top of my head. It starts with simple. Yeah. Go and look yeah, at measurable, our SMART they are your smart goals. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that's a really good starting point is, is having those smart goals. Yeah, I think, you know, goals are important, but what, you, what you're saying is metrics. And anyone who's worked in a business world will know they're your KPIs. Yep. And, uh, you know, your key performance indicators. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'm just throwing a few of those out of the door when I retired last week. <laughs> <laughs> I've now got a new set. <laughs> um and uh, hang on, I just. But with the but back with the um, with the goals again, and having those metrics, um, you will probably need to modify those metrics. So once you have a new learning, you'll realise I'm not going to be able to, you know, triple my revenue in the next month. Let's just adjust it a little bit because there's nothing worse than setting a goal. Um, nothing more deflating than setting a goal and you're not being able to achieve it. So. We talk about doing things um, incrementally in the startup space. So do some, do it small, have a learning from it, validating and seeing if that works and then moving on to the next thing. So doing things a little bit at a time. So building it as you go rather than building the big Taj Mahal to start with. How important is having a mentor? R really important. So whatever that format comes in. So... When we run our accelerators, we surround people with, we have an what we call an AIR, an entrepreneur in residence who they meet with weekly. Um, and then we have subject matter experts. So um, if somebody's looking for a startup in 
the legal field, for example, or I'm going to go back to my jam example. So <laughs> you're setting up a, what we call a, a marketplace or a double-sided marketplace. Um, so be able to, somebody might be a domain expert in jam manufacturing and jam sales, for example, mm-hmm. and then we'll set them up with a mentor as well that, that's more of a sounding board. So, And it's about asking the right questions, not about telling people what to do. Okay, so really... A bit like psychology, I guess. When you go into a psychologist, they ask you questions <laughs> instead of just telling you what to do. Absolutely. So any good coach, good psychologist, good whatever, <laughs> it, it's about you know asking those questions and, and helping who you're working with to find the answers themselves. So it's more of a kind of a, a guiding kind of role. Okay. Guiding and connecting, actually. Connecting is really important as well. So having a mentor is great. Subject matter experts great. But the only way that you can get forward with what you're doing is is really through people and through relationships. Mm-hmm. So you can be the smartest, you know, cookie in the shed. That's not even an expression because it's not the smartest tool in the shed. Anyway, you can be, you can be, you can be <laughs> whatever really, tool and whatever shed, <laughs> whatever cookie. Whatever. You can, <laughs> as long as it's not depends. Um, but you can. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So it's the relationships that you have with people. So your mentor will introduce you to other people that. Um, might need to take you on that next part of your journey as well. So we talk about a startup as being a journey. So it's kind of, you know, one step forward, you know, two steps forward, one step back. It's a journey and it's a learning experience as well. So you need lots of teachers or coaches or guides along the way. And can I just add, as well as your, you know, mentors and subject matter experts, it's a community around you that's important as well. So mentors and subject matter experts are part of that community. But what's also great is surrounding yourself by people that are going through the same thing at the same time. Mm. And that's why cohort-based programs work particularly well because you're in it together. When you're in it together, you're forming relationships. When you have relationships, you're more than likely to support at that point in time and beyond when you're in a program together. So it's that community of like-minded people that, that help pick you up as particularly important. Rhiannon, Stevie Nicks. Mm. Mm. Why this song, Melissa? <laughs> I, I love this song. I find it an incredibly powerful song. Uh, and there are times when you are running your own business that you can fall a bit flat or you're unsure or does anybody really care what you do? Does anybody see what you do? And for me, this is a really powerful pickup song. Um, and it's about a female that's um, incredibly powerful. She, you know, comes along once in a blue moon. They're not the lyrics, by the way. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a really, really powerful song that I listen to when I need a pickup. Rhiannon. Welcome back. You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. Melissa Pye is my guest in the studio today. We're talking about startups and business and what you can do if you have an idea for a business. Melissa? Yes. Funding. Aha. Uh-huh. So how to fund a startup or business. Um, the best way to fund it is with revenue. <laughs> oh, money. Uh, money, money, money. Get your customers to be paying for what you offer as quickly as you can. <gasps> now, that is not always easy because sometimes you're doing a, a tech build and you just need to um, build it and iterate and get customer feedback on it and build it from there. So it's often difficult to get um, customer revenue straight away. Uh, so when we talk about uh, raising money in startups, um, the first kind of money in is your own money. And often will people put in, you know, ten to hundred or 200000 of their own money into a business. Um, and then what we call like the next round is FFF, Family, Friend and Fools. Uh, who are willing to put in some money for that. And that can be anything from, you know, $1,000 to $20,000 or whatever they're prepared to put in for that. Um, After that, you're probably looking at angel money. Um, So from angel investors, uh, and there's quite a few different angel investing groups. Uh, One of the longest run is called um, Sydney Angels, and they've got, they're connected to another network around Australia as well, but Sydney Angels. Angels are when you've got individuals who have got some money that they would like to um, invest. 
at the moment there's a fair bit of money around because interest rates are so low. Mm-hmm. Um, people aren't putting money into bank accounts. Um, stocks are a bit unsure. Uh, and you can potentially, very potentially, um, have a, you know, 10x or 20x return through a startup, which is, which is a fairly large return, but very risky at the same time. So what many angels do will invest in a portfolio of companies, hoping that maybe, you know, one in 10 might be the one that, uh, that brings in that money as well. So it's their personal money that they are deciding to invest, uh, in a particular startup at a fairly early stage. Uh, and then we kind of move into um, institutional inter- institutional money where um, there are a group of people that are managing somebody else's money on their behalf. So VCs, venture capital or private equity. Uh, and that's when there's a very interesting business model behind that where they actually work because it's their job to get a good return for somebody else's else's money. And that's what we call kind of seed money or early stage seed and then it kind of goes into different what we call series and rounds of raising. So you might get seed money and then there's what's called series A and series B and series C and series D. And then eventually you go to IPO, um, initial public offering of your business. So you take your business from being private to a public uh, public company that's uh, listed on the stock exchange. Yeah. Other ways of getting money, are uh, there are some government um, R&D um, tax incentives. R and D for those that don't know research and development. Yep, yep. Tax yep. incentives. Um, there are also government grants for particular things. Mm-hmm. So in the startup space, there's the New South Wales MVP, which is minimum viable product grant, um, and that's much matched funding up to twenty five thousand dollars, and that's to help you going and and develop at what we call a um, minimum vi- minimum vi- pro- viable product, and that's something that you can put into market and actually test it um, as to whether people um, are going to use your offering. So there's government support with that. Um, there's other government grants that come online all the time. Uh, this year they've run one um, focusing on female founders, which is which is really cool. And there's another one called AC Grant Accelerating Commercialization Grant. Uh, that's a very difficult one to get, but there's a lot of support around getting that one, and that's match funding up to about a million dollars, um, and that's based on there needs to be a real novelty factor in the technology that you're developing um, for that. So um, there's different ways that you can get money, but we always say um, it's good to actually have you know customer revenue because once you ta- start taking somebody else's money, they start having ownership of your business as well. Yeah. Um, and each round that where you raise money, you start diluting how much you have in the actual business as well. So there's a lot of research for people to do if they're looking at funding. And I guess having a mentor helps to keep you on track and to get to the point where you are going to look at raising some funds. Well, Melissa, today, three takeaways that you have for us. 100%. So the first thing is to validate your idea with potential customers. So before you spend a single cent or get that logo design or get that URL or get that website up, which so many people do because they just get so excited, they just want to bring it to life, uh, you need to validate that idea with your customers. Don't talk to one person, don't talk to two people, don't talk to three people, don't talk to four people. Speak with as many people as you can possible. Do 20 or 30 or 40 interviews. And back to the jam example, you need to interview that many people um, on your um, jam manufacturer's side and that many people on your jam purchasing side, so your customers as well. So really, really understand what they're looking for. And there's nuggets of gold in that information that they provide you. Make sure that you document those conversations And then have a look at those notes on the conversations and start joining the dots. Listen to the language that they're using, listen to the problems that they have and work and create a solution that's actually going to solve those problems. So first takeaway is validate your idea with potential customers. The second one is, related to customers, is ignore the naysayers out there and the negative people out there and what they're saying. Ignore the competition, and the competition can be quite nasty and horrific as well, Mm -hmm. and just focus on delivering what your customers actually want. So don't worry that, because if you've got a great idea and you've got it in the marketplace and you're making money, someone else will do it. So really move out of that headspace of, 
oh my goodness, they copied my idea, this is terrible. Because if you're doing a smashing job, of course somebody's going to copy copy what you're doing, but nobody is as original as what you are and what you're offering. So make sure you bring some of yourself and that authenticity into your business. And the third point is to be willing to learn by taking action. The best way that you can learn what to do is by actually doing not by reading, not by sitting on the sidelines. It's by jumping on the field and having a go and learning by doing. So they're my three key takeaways. Well, Melissa, thank you so much, um, especially for your example of the jam. <laughs> I wish I'd figured a better example no, than but that. <laughs> before people go out there and get themselves into a jam. A boom. <laughs> you know, Melissa has uh, given us some great ideas today and really clarify What's a business? What's a startup? And if you have an idea, how do you bring that idea to life? So thank you so much for all your insights today and the fun and your great choice of songs and for dancing in the studio while those songs were playing. Um, I really appreciate it, Melissa, so thank you. You appreciate my daggy dancing as well as me being here. I just just appreciate (laughs) you being here, daggy dancing, and all your knowledge. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Ageing Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside. There's a sparkle in your eye. It's not all nine to five. It's a wonderful life Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across oceans wide Live out our dreams Just you and me Let your heart be alive There's no time to waste Gotta go get the most This treasure that you've got to find, baby, don't be shy. Let's go and take that ride. Taste the sweet and the spice, everything else. Let your heart be alive, baby, just let your heart come alive, honey. Let your heart be alive.